0: Uh, good evening, everybody. Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt your conversation. Sounds like you're having a lovely time. Um, my name's Alex Philp. I'm the Director of Overseas Collections here at the National Library, and I'd like to welcome you to our beautiful building on this lovely, chilly Canberra winter's night. So nice to see so many of you. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Nambrian and Ngunnawal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today and to pay our respects to their elders, past and present. It's an absolute delight for me to introduce this National Library Fellow presentation, A Portrait of Shoujo, The Poetic Ambience of Japanese Girlhood, by Dr Masafumi Mondan. Dr Monden is postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Technology, Sydney, specialising in Japanese fashion and culture. He lectures and publishes widely in the areas of men's and women's fashion, Japan, art, youth, and popular culture. His first book was published a couple of years ago, titled Japanese Fashion Cultures Dress and Gender in Contemporary Japan. The book details the relationship between fashion, culture, and gender within contemporary Japan and its relevance to an increasingly transcultural world. The library's fellowship program, of which we're immensely proud, was founded to promote the library as a centre of scholarly activity and research, to encourage scholarly use of the library and to promote the library's rich and varied collections. Dr Monden is precisely the kind of distinguished scholar I'm glad we can bring to the library through our fellowship programs. The thing I really love about these talks is, is seeing how the collections we've built over many years allow our scholars to complete their work. The library's Japanese collection is large and diverse and it supports a wide variety of scholarship. Alongside the library's uh, fellowship program, we also operate a program called Japan Study Grants, which we're hoping to expand this year across, across the Asian language collections in general. At this moment, I'd like to publicly acknowledge the excellent work of our Japanese unit, a few of them are here this evening, over many years in building the wonderful collections we have and particularly the head of the unit, Mayumi Shinazaki, for her enduring and expert support for our researchers. Now, luckily for me, I got to see a rehearsal of Masafumi's presentation yesterday, <laughs> so I know what you're about to see. I'm sure you'll share my deep interest in how he links images across different decades and cultures by using our wonderful collections. So after his talk, there will be an opportunity for questions, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce... Dr. Masafumi-Monten.
1: Thanks, Alex. And before starting, um, and oh, good evening and thank you very much for coming today. Before starting, I'd like to thank the National Library for giving me this wonderful opportunity to do my research here. I'd like to thank everyone on LG1 and in Asian collections, and especially in the Japanese unit. Without their help, I couldn't have done this. So thank you, thank you. So I'd like to start with um, this image. This is an image by Japanese illustrator, magazine editor, and fashion designer, Junichi Nakahara. It was originally produced for a girl's magazine called Shoujo no Tomo, or Girl's Friend, in 1940. I wanted to start with this image tonight because I think it perfectly captures the idea of shoujo, which is the topic of tonight's talk. The word shoujo is often translated into English simply as girl, but the Japanese meaning is more complex. Visually, the concept of shoujo is frequently ultra-feminine, adorned with flowers, ribbons, frills, flowing and fluttering movements, and leaf characters with bright sparkling eyes as you can see in these images. Nakahara is one of the pioneers who introduced this graphic interpretation of shoujo, which continues today. Tonight, I want to focus on the two main ways the Japanese concept of shoujo is expressed. Shoujo manga, or Japanese comics for for girls, and fashion. The National Library has an excellent selection of works on shoujo manga in the Japanese collections, and I have drawn on many of these sources for this talk. Most of the images I use tonight are also from the National Library's Japanese collection. I wasn't sure who would show up tonight, so this talk is a bit of a balancing act. I would like to apologize to any shoujo fans in the audience tonight if you find this talk a bit too academic, (laughs) and conversely, if you are an academic, uh, this might include a bit more pop culture than you are expecting. (laughs) One of my aims for this fellowship at the National Library has been to examine the multiple ways that shoujo is used as a cultural imagination. This can be a complex and sometimes shocking construction of girlish identity in Japanese popular culture. Tonight, I would first like to look briefly at the concept of shoujo and how how the concept of shoujo came into existence with the modernization of the state. Then we will move on to look at girls' comics and how a group of manga works have combined shoujo aesthetics with dark and sometimes shocking themes. Finally, we'll look at how shoujo influences fashion in Japan, signaling both its enduring popularity and its performative nature. So how did the concept of shoujo come into existence? If you look at the references in the library's Japanese collections, we find one book, Shoujo as Construction, by Shuko Watanabe, which is featured at the center of this image with a black cover, tells us that the idea of shoujo was first used as an early form of social engineering in the late 19th century. In the wake of the Sakoku period, when um, Japan was largely closed to foreign influence, Japan aimed to strengthen itself to compete with European nations and America. Higher education institutions for young women were established to further this aim but it it required young women to put off marriage and having children to attend. So the concept of shoujo originally served this ideological purpose constructed by the Japanese government in order to encourage girls to embody Ryosai Kenbo which means good wife, wise mother. This was an ideology inspired by Victorian notions of true womanhood, that is, 19th century European ideas together with Confucian values. According to the government, the shoujo demonstrated three virtues, affection, chastity, and beauty. And this indoctrination was aimed at female students between the ages of 12 and 17. And this image actually tells us, us how girl students in the early 1900s were dressed like. Because back then, um, they didn't have a school uniform, but uh, girl students uh, were dressed in a specific way. And this image is actually from um, the National Library's Meldrama Image exhibition, which some of you might have already seen it. But if you haven't, you can go down to the gallery and see it. Real, authentic version of this beautiful image, among others. But in those days, the most effective way to spread this concept of shoujo was to visualize and articulate it through popular culture texts such as girls' magazines, novels, and illustrations. Despite the crafted and imposed origins of shoujo, it, find, it found a willing audience. And by the early 1900s, cultural representations of the girl were increasingly produced by shoujo writers um, and artists for girl readers. Poetic, romanticized images of the girl were distributed through flowery sentimental fiction targeted at school-age girls. One of the most famous was female author Nobuko Yoshia's Flower Tales, which is a series of stories about romantic relationships between young women. And this kind of shoujo culture is today perceived as a girl's delicate rebellion against the patriarchal, business-oriented world of masculinity, especially in Pre-War Japan. As Hiromitsu J. points out in her analysis of flower tales, By consciously indulging themselves in a world of floral beauty and romanticism which filled these Georgia fictions, girl readers of such novels rejected, even if momentality, the intrusion of male codes and institutions in their lives. So even if it was originally devised and imposed by adult men, the genre was adopted and appropriated by the girls of their own exhibiting a degree of autonomy that has, as expert on contemporary shoujo culture, Lola Miller rightly argued, argued become a future of shoujo culture. Yoshio's flower tales have been reissued in a number of times with new illustrations because of its popularity. And one of the artists to illustrate later editions was Junji Nakahara, whose 1939 version is pictured here. Nakahara is particularly well known for his contribution to Japanese girls culture and the image of shoujo. He was inspired by a genre of painting called lyrical illustration or jojoga which was popular between the 1910s and 1930s. Lyrical illustration is characterized by the delicate sensibility of the artist Conveyed through the combination of artistic imagination and realism as captured in this work by Yumeji Takehisa, who is the most uh, well known famous Jojo artist in Japan. And its aesthetic styles has contributed to the style of post war shoujo manga, which will return. Nakahara made his debut as illustrator for the magazine Shoujo no Tomo, or Girl's Friend, in 1932, when he was only 19. From 1935, he produced a cover art for the magazine, which is particularly well-loved by its girl readers. He also edited a fashion feature section called Girl Students' Fashion Pages from 1937, which became tremendously popular. In 1940, however, against the backdrop of war, the Japanese government intervened with the magazine to alter the style of his illustrations. The government, influenced by the military, felt his shoujo images were unhealthy, too beautiful, fragile, and skinny. When the government was promoting more robust and stronger images of girls, Nakahara refused to give in to this and resigned. It was reported that Nakahara's departure broke the hearts of many girl readers who sent letters of protest to the publisher. And the covers of Shojo no Tomo changed from like this, Nakahara's last cover in 1940, to like this. <laughs> which, which, uh, which graced the cover of Shojo no Tomo in 1944 during the war period. And the image of Shoujo that the government wanted to promote differed quite significantly from the Nakahara's ideal Shoujo image. And you can probably see why uh, many of the girl readers were really disappointed with um, <laughs> Nakahara's departure. The magazine actually lost more than 7,000 readers with Nakahara's departure. After the war, Nakahara launched his own women's fashion magazine, Soleil, in 1946, first as quarterly, then bimonthly. It was followed by Himawari, which means sunflower in Japanese, a fashion magazine for teenagers in 1947. Himawari was renamed as Junior Soleil in 1953, and continued until 1959, when Nakahara became ill due to exhaustion and overwork. And in 1960, both Soleil and Junior Soleil ceased to exist. While he designed many styles, including European style dresses and kimono, as well as menswear, wear, children's wear, and women's wear, Nakahara's fashion designs are best remembered as romantic styles for girls, embellished with ribbons, frills, flower-like skirts, and so on. His ideal girls are exquisitely dressed upper-class young ladies with delicately craft hair, large eyes, thin waist, and long limbs, which were, and still are, an embodiment of shoujo in Japanese culture. And the, the women in these images are considered to be embodying Nakahara's ideal shoujo image and obviously they are dressed and styled by Nakahara and these images are from um, Junior Soleil. Nakahara influence both influenced both main forms of visual expression of this girl tradition, shoujo illustration and shoujo fashion. His magazine Junior Soleil also featured illustrations of Rune Naito and Chiaki Fuji among others. Their fashion illustration-like art, along with Nakahara's that you can see in these pictures, in turn influenced the graphic language of girls' comics or shoujo manga. After the war, the popularity of shoujo novels and magazines were gradually taken over by shoujo manga. Although not quite as popular today as their peak in the 1990s, shoujo manga is still a strong influence on the manga and aesthetics of shojo. Although the beginning of shojo manga has been traditionally regarded as Osamu Tezuka's Princess Knight in 1953, who also created the famous Astro Boy, more recent studies have explored the presence of shojo manga prior to Princess Knight, including the link between shojo manga and shoujo novels like Yoshia's Flower Tales, the style of Makoto Takahashi, and the influence of lyrical illustration artists such as Nakahara and Takehisa on the works of early shoujo manga, including Takahashi's. Makoto Takahashi in particular is known as the first manga artist to um, use what is today known as shoujo manga aesthetics, like large of sparkling eyes and highly embellished graphic styles, like featuring flowers and stars in the background. And this image is from one of his earlier shoujo manga works um, published in the mid-1950s. The rise of pioneering women manga artists such as Masako Watanabe, who debuted in 1952, Hideko Mizuno in 1955, and Miyako Maki in 1957, were followed by a group of women artists in the 1970s, including Moto Hagio, who are often seen as having revolutionized shoujo manga and elevated the values of shoujo manga as a subgenre with their choice of um, poetic and even philosophical themes and often subversive um, topics of gender and sexuality. It is worth us taking a moment to take a look at the definition of shoujo manga, Because this definition has become increasingly broad recently, and this is partly due to the increased popularity of online publishing. Before the internet, manga works were usually serialized in manga magazines first, with popular works later republished in book format. Manga magazines were often segmented according to gender and age groups of target readership Ishida Saiko is one scholar who has tried to develop a framework and has articulated two fundamental definitions of shoujo manga, which are, substantially, manga that are first published in magazines targeted primarily at girls or shoujo, like this one, um, Boys Over Flowers or Hanadan by Yoko Kamio, uh, which is still the highest selling shoujo manga in Japan. And this work is made into TV soap operas in Taiwan, um, South Korea, and of course Japan. And conceptually, those manga works categorized as shoujo manga because of their authors, narrative themes, or graphic styles. So for example, this one, You Are My Pet, was originally (laughs) published in a magazine uh, that was targeted at older age group but if you compare this You Are My Pet and Boys Over Flowers for example, in terms of graphic, uh, graphic styles, they look very similar. So graphically, shojo manga is often characterized by big, stary eyes, flower petals scattered across the frame, blurred or irregular panels, and highly detailed and embellished graphics. The beauty of the principal characters is of fundamental importance in shoujo manga, or many shoujo mangas. Flowing locks, slender limbs, an elongated neck, and long, delicate fingers are the distinguishing characteristics in typical shoujo manga girls' comics. And Waki Yamato's work is featured here, and she is known as producing very beautiful characters in shoujo manga tradition, particularly in the 1970s. But these physical characteristics have often raised questions of ethnicity in manga studies. Are these features in shoujo manga meant to represent westerners? So for example, um, Yamato's heroine who is pictured here is wearing the kimono, so she's expected to be called as a Japanese girl and she's actually a Japanese girl but some people read these traits of large eyes and long limbs, which is also a feature in Yamato's work, as conforming to Euro-American beauty ideals. And others argue that this is nonsense, because these characters don't look like real humans in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to venture into this debate here, but I do want to point out that artists... Like Nakahara and Rune Naito, who's inf- who influenced Shoujo manga and whose work we've seen, were also fashion illustrators. And as you can see in this famous 1950s um, fashion illustrations by French Italian artist Rune Gros, the bodies in fashion illustrations of the time are quite exaggerated as well, just like girls' comics. So fashion illustrations might have been as much an influence as ethnicity. Manga offers an interesting medium to examine the concept of shoujo. Shoujo manga has frequently been seen as a medium that is created for young women by women, where women exercise creative control and expression, at least to to a certain degree. The image of shoujo first created and promoted by men is now controlled largely by women creators. Shoujo manga very, vary widely in theme and subgenre, but typically, shoujo manga has been regarded as sentimental tales that feature a shy, ordinary girl whose essential values are affirmed by her often socially popular romantic interest. And like the ones by Eiko Mutsu and Hideko Tachikake, who are known as producing a highly romantic and a gentle and kind kind of story which happens in ordinary contemporary Japan in, in high school or university. And this kind of manga was popular in the late 1970s to early 1980s. But the shoujo manga has been deemed unimportant because of its focus on sentimentality and highly embellished graphic styles. There's a modern view shared by many cultures that culture forms and artifacts, which are decorative, are considered feminine or girlish, and these are deemed less important and less worthy of examination than more masculine kinds of art. Likewise, many critics claim that the shoujo manga has been ignored by serious scholars for the same reason, at least to a certain, uh, at least recently. Studies of shojo manga, especially by those who are interested, interested in gender-based approach, which has been popular since the 1990s, have focused on challenging these views rather than looking at a typical shojo manga like these ones. As a result, shojo manga studies have tended to focus on limited aspects of the category until recently. For instance, selected and often believed to be subversive works of famous artists in the 1970s, like The Rose of Versailles by Miyoko Ikeda, who has the heroine who is cross-dressed and wearing the male uniform and fights, or fighting girls, or the queer genres of boys love, where the focus is on the relationship between beautiful boys or men. These limited studies indicate that the tendency in shoju manga studies is to favor a reading that the rejection of girlish femininity, either physically or conceptually, is the key to unpack the significance of the medium. As a result, the more typical aspects of shoju manga have yet to receive adequate attention. One of my aims for this fellowship at the National Library, which I have said earlier, has been to examine the multiple ways that shoujo is used as a cultural imagination. And this can be a complex and sometimes shocking construction of girlish identity in Japanese popular culture. An example of one of these more typical styles of shoujo manga that has been largely ignored by scholars is a series of works from the 1980s and the 1990s. Indeed, the main character is typically an adolescent girl with ultra-feminine appearance whose ambition and desire to escape from a miserable life leads her to perpetrate lies, deceptions, betrayals, and even murders. (laughs) Graphically, these works are girlish, feminine, freely, but the stories can be much darker. An example is Mihoko Koiva's Manga titled Midnight Cinderella. It was serialized in 1981 in the mainstream comic magazine Akaios Deluxe, which was targeted at the youngest age group of readers, from primary school to about year eight girls. And it tells the story of Rudy, an orphaned girl who is brought up by her grandmother. And her grandmother works as a living servant at a very, very wealthy family. Uh, household, and by the way, the manga is set in a contemporary Japan. The wealthy family's only daughter Noriko is the same age as Ruli. At the age of five, Ruli naively thinks that if Noriko didn't exist, she could take Noriko's place and live like a princess and wear her dresses. That same night, Ruli sets fire to the mansion, apparently killing Noriko and her mother. And indeed, Noriko's grieving father treats Ruli just as he would his own daughter, spoiling her. With her newly acquired wealth and influence, Ruli becomes the queen of her new exclusive all-girls school. To maintain this position, Ruli continues to murder those who get in her way. <laughs> She murders eight people in total, (laughs) including her only friend, her adopted father, and her own grandmother, just to stay in her dream of living like a princess. This visa story has a further turn. In the final episode, Rui finally falls in love with a wealthy French man more than twice her age. But on her wedding uh, wedding day, she learned that he is, guess what, her long-lost father. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite shocking. (laughs) Midnight Shindelada is significant for several reasons. Firstly, it was published in a mainstream manga magazine that was targeted at the youngest shoujo age group, including primary schoolers. And secondly, while she shows a high level of freedom of action and independence, Rui never wishes she were a boy or dressed in boy's clothing in order to act so ambitiously. This contradicts a widely held view in shoujo manga studies that equates girlish femininity with undesirable passivity and oppression. At one point, Ruli actually says in her in a monologue, that I want to have power. I've decided to live like a princess. So I need power to have a gorgeous, carefree life. I need absolute power. Mm -hmm. This point is emphasized graphically. As you can see in this image, Ruli is portrayed in highly girlish graphic styles and the opulent dresses she wears enhances this idea here the princess is linked to a gorgeous lifestyle and a carefree attitude by the naked exercise of power rather than heteroromantic narratives. So Ruli really doesn't need a prince charming. As you might have guessed, Midnight Cinderella still has a cult following in Japan. Many who read the story when it was published in 1981 still remember it as a shocking work and want to read it again. The book is out of print, but second-hand copies command high prices, some over ten times the original price. The owner of a second-hand bookstore in Tokyo who specializes in shoujo manga told me that Midnight Cinderella is so popular and sought after that it never stays in his store. Somehow, Somehow less dramatic but more poetic, is Mariko Iwadate's series of manga works published in the 1990s. Iwadate is an underexplored, yet highly renowned and influential manga artist, especially famous in the mid-1970s to 1990s. Set in an unnamed regional town in Japan, Iwadate's masterpiece, Please Alice, focuses on two 17-year-old schoolgirls, Minako, and of course, Alice. The girls have known each other from the age of 12 when Minako's parents were hospitalized due to a serious car accident. Minako was taken in by her close relatives and their daughter, Eriko, was friends with Alice. As the story unfolds, we learn that Minako's parents never recovered and died. And soon after, Eriko also dies with two other girls in a freak landslide that crushed the girl's secret playhouse, a riverside cabin. In the aftermath, Eriko's parents adopted Minako. Now 17, Minako has developed a romantic feeling towards the elder brother of Eriko, who goes to university in Tokyo. But unfortunately, he in turn shows interest in beautiful Alice. And Alice often makes suggestive remarks about the whereabout of Eriko, whose body has never been found. Mm-hmm. The story explores the suspicions around the death of Eriko and the girls who were playing with her and who locked the girls inside the cabin just before the landslide. Please, Alice uses many images in its concept that are associated with established images of shoujo. Mystical dreams, A missing girl, flowers, the secret playhouse, and a merry go round in a ruined amusement park in their town. You can easily see the similarity in ambience to works such as Peter Weir's masterpiece Picnic at Hanging Rock, which I believe you are very, very familiar with, and paintings of Ophelia, especially Sir John Everett Millet's iconic version from 1851. Please Alice's reference to the missing eriko, the girl's space of the cabin, and the imagery of a girl floating on the water, are typical of shoujo. You might be surprised that Picnic at Hanging Rock, which was first released in Japan in 1986, has been considered as a paragon of shoujo aesthetics in Japan. So for example, this image is taken from one of the film magazines in the library's Uh, Japanese collection and when the film was uh, released in 1986, the magazine um, featured this film quite extensively with a couple of essays that exploring the link between um, Picnic at Hanging Rock and Japanese shoujo aesthetics. The name Alice and the existence of a dark tunnel in the cabin that leads underground and the key that mysteriously locked the cabin and trapped the girls when the landslide occurred. Also alludes to Louis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. This original Alice is another icon, described by famous author and translator Sumiko Yagawa as the eternal shoujo in Japan. While not featured in Alice, also um, Carroll's, while not featured in Carroll's Wonderland, the merry-go-round and deserted amusement park in Please Alice. Also, create an impression that it too is a wonderland, albeit a ruined, shabby, and sad one. I'm sorry to spoil the story for you, but in the end, we learn that Minako is accessory to the death of her own parents and locked the cabin and trapped the girls and pushed her cousin Eriko, who escaped the landslide but was unable to swim, into the water so she could take her place as a loving daughter in an idyllic family. Alice who adores minako has hidden the body of Eriko in the amusement park under the merry-go-round and it dies with a secret floating on the river with flower petals like Ophelia on the day Minec- um, Eriko's body is finally discovered. These visual and literary references create a highly girlish atmosphere in the manga. Unlike Midnight Cinderella, Please Alice was first serialized in a mag- manga magazine that was targeted at much older age group. This is important as the subgenre of shojo manga that offers girls' dreams filled with shojo um, aesthetics has fallen out of favor with younger readers. Because of its apparent lack of reality. If you think about Midnight Cinderella with a teenage girl who murders eight people, you'll get the idea. <laughs> but interestingly, manga like Iwadatu's Please Alice that target older readers, women in their 20s for example, often use more shoujo manga styles and aesthetics than those targeted at younger readers. So instead of aiming to encourage readers to identify with shoujo characters, even if they are serial killers, (laughs) this style of manga allows all the readers to objectify and appreciate shoujo on a purely aesthetic level. This tendency becomes even more obvious in another manga work by Iwadate called A White Satin Ribbon, published three years later. in the same magazine that targeted the older age group. The story focuses on a girl called Namiko, who lives with her mother after her parents' divorce. Namiko's older sister, who lives with their father, his new wife, and grandmother, often shows off the gifts she receives from their grandmother, who never gives anything to Namiko. Namiko apparently doesn't care about any of her gifts, except a white lace dress with a big satin ribbon that grandmother wore when she was 16. And this is actually the scene where the sisters found the picture of their grandmother wearing the dress when she was 16. So this is how the dress looks like. Namiko is repressed, behaving like a perfect good girl to please her wealthy and mentally unstable mother who only cares about her sister. But on the other hand, bullying one of the girls in her class so badly that the girl attempted suicide. The grandmother's dress is a metaphor for the familial affection she so lacks. And the innocent, perfect, angelic, church identity that Namiko believes she can obtain by wearing the dress. Like Midnight Cinderella and Please Alice, the story has a sinister turn. Namiko's attempt to steal the dress from grandmother and her older sister, who keeps telling Namiko that the dress will be hers, not Namiko's, leads to the death of the grandmother. Namiko is blackmailed by the brother of the girl she bullied, but blames her sister for the bullying, and succeeds in making him kidnap her sister as a result. With the two women who stand in her way gone, she can finally wear the dress. But Namiko is not an innocent shoujo anymore. At the age of 16 she discovers that she is too mature, too vile to fit the dress and embody the shoujo ideal. Some scholars interpret texts like a white satin ribbon as indicating that this kind of shoujo culture, originally seen as a soft delicate rebellion against the patriarchal system in the pre-war period, has now morphed into an idealized girlish identity that conforms to ideological gender schemes yet hard to obtain one. The soldier girl's attention is directed away from outward concerns and towards her inner self. In Miyasako Chizuru's opinion, the girl's autonomy is therefore replaced by narcissism. Miyasako, who has written a famous series of essays on shoujo and non-shoujo, which is also available from the library's Japanese collection, argues that a girl with a sense of independence cannot be a shoujo. In other words, Namiko is too independent, too autonomous to remain the ideal of shoujo, even though physically she perfectly embodies it. So Iwadate's manga, targeted at an older age group, objectify the shoujo. Figure and the concept of shoujo itself as a construction, a performance even. A white satin ribbon allows her readers to take pleasure in the pure aesthetics of shoujo. Even that is a white satin ribbon is based on the idea that dress is a quintessential medium to craft and communicate the identity of the one who wears it. So this, perhaps, is a good segue to the second major expression of shoujo tradition, that is, fashion. While some academics try to distinguish dress from clothes, styles from fashion and fashion from dress, in practice, these terms are used interchangeably. So dress is considered to carry symbolic meanings. It is a means of communication. But we need to be cautious because the meanings communicated through fashion or clothing can be very subtle and complex. As fashion historian Valerie Steele rightly says, its meanings depend on the context. wears it? when, Along with what are the clothes? What was the history of the garments? So in other words, we need to have a shared knowledge or understanding to rightly interpret the meanings that dress or clothes carry. And this also means that there are certain shared qualities of the dress or look that evoke the qualities of shoujo or shoujo quality in Japanese culture. And these qualities are most likely related to the idea of shoujo as put forward by renowned scholar of girls culture and children's culture, Masuko Honda. Honda was one of the first and very few academics to study shoujo and fashion and although her work dates from the 1980s, it is still relevant to the visual identity of shoujo today. Honda linked such fashion items items as ribbons, flowers, frills, and flattening skirts in Nakahara's illustrations of girls who wear these to the concept of shoujo. Honda sees the state of shoujo as a temporary state kind of in between child and adult, where girls are old enough to appreciate romantic, beautiful, and often dreamy things, but not yet required to be mature to responsible. So they do not have to prioritize functionality over aesthetics. And since they are spared of much social responsibilities and concerns, at least temporality, they can appreciate anything romantic dreamy and largely impractical things on a purely aesthetic level. So Honda, um, the shoujo is most likely schoolgirls who are yet to be um, moving on to the society as a fully responsible adult. And delicate and and impractical fashion items, which Honda calls hirahira, due to the way they flutter in Japanese, are the visible manifestations of this state of shoujo. For Honda, this fashion aesthetic of flowing lace, frills, and ribbons signal the lightness, delicacy, and transient freedom ascribed to a state of girlish femininity. Her idea of shoujo gives a degree of independence to adolescent girls, separating them from children but also from mature women. And that was what Nakahara was doing with his designs as well because he um, designed um, Dresses for, specifically for girls who are not children, but not women or mature women either. The dress stars of Victorian period upper class girls have had a significant impact on Japanese Georgia fashion aesthetics. Victorian era fashion, as portrayed in Sir John Tenniel's famous illustrations of Alice in Lewis Howe's books, is an obvious example of this. The three virtues of shoujo in pre Japan, affection, chastity, and beauty, also dovetail with ideas of Victorian feminine beauty, maternal, childlike and modest, as well as healthy, natural and virtuous. The film Picnic at Hanging Rock comes to mind again here, praised by Honda as an eternal tale of shoujo, the girls in the film wear white high-coloured lace or fully muslin dresses just below calf length, most of them with flowing locks and black stockings as you can see in these images. Their status as <clears throat> girls is signaled by the relatively short little girl dresses and the lightness of the garment, which echoes Honda's hirahira aesthetic. When Ima, the only one of the schoolgirls to return, visits the college to bide farewell, she wears a long floral pattern dress that reaches her toes covered with a vivid red cape and a matching hat atop Neatly coiffed hair, so signaling her transition from the scape or girlscape into womanhood. So in the film, <clears throat> the college is metaphorically is a metaphor of um, girlscape, and while she's in the girlscape, she wear, she dresses like um, this white um, frilly and lace dresses. But once she leaves this girlscape, she dresses like a mature lady. And like Alice, picnic was and still is loved by a certain group of women in Japan, due to its dreamy art direction and dresses, and its exquisite maidenly ambience. In fact, light, lacy, frilly dresses in pastel shades that resemble the muslin dresses worn in the film are still popular in Japanese fashion culture today. And these are from uh, images are from recent issues of Seventeen and Nono which are two of the most popular uh, fashion magazines for young women. And it is from uh, another very well-known fashion magazine, street fashion magazine called Fruits. And these women are not actually not models, but these ordinary women who are on the street. So you can see like this kind of really girlish dresses are going on in Japan, at least in Tokyo. The National Library has a good collection of Soen, one of the oldest high fashion magazines in Japan. Unlike magazines such as Nona N17, Soen often features more stylistic, flamboyant, and auto couture dresses, but it also regularly features fashion spread with lace, ribbon, and flowers, like this one, dressed by Jane Marple, which is a fashion label very well known for producing highly girlish and often European-inspired um, styles. And remember, these items and styles are closely linked to shoujo aesthetics, and these fashion features are almost always associated with shoujo. So these are of always, almost always described as shoujo-like or shoujo style or girlish. And often actresses like Nana Komatsu and Ayami Nakajo were strongly linked to the idea of shoujo through the roles they play in films and TV dramas appear in these shoujo-themed features. There are leaf figures resembling Junichi Nakahara's shoujo illustrations as well. And this features of famous Japanese fashion designer Rei Kawakubo and her new line for women, Comme des Garçons Girl, uses floral embroidery, frills, and lace, which the magazine describes what shoujo longs for. And it is worth noting the magazine has named the feature the eternal shoujo that Comme des Garconson suggests. So we see Honda's girlish aesthetic of Hirahira is still relevant today when describing um, dresses with lace, frills, ribbons, and floral embroidery. Significantly, Honda's idea of the shoujo fashion aesthetic is that Small embellishments such as ribbons signal girlishness in modern times. It simultaneously draws attention away from the body of the one who wears it by concealing its shape, and so perhaps avoids eroticization. Honda argues that the decorative fashion items of hirahira Hira allow the simultaneous denial of womanhood and emphasis of femininity. So, in other words. Shoujo fashion with frills and ribbons like the one in this image can wrap and hide the shape of the body while accent, they accentuate girlishness. The idea of girlish beauty without eroticization is actually remarkably, remarkably similar to the design philosophy behind Rei Kawakubo's better known aggressively geometric anti-fashion couture. Fashion for young women and adolescent girls in particular tends to be polarized between overt sexualization and passive modesty, and it's increasingly difficult to find in between styles on this decency continuum. Contributing to this is a tendency in Euro-American societies in particular to regard girlish femininity negatively with adolescents viewed as an unfavorable, unstable, and even pathological stage of life that requires adult intervention and regulation. So in some respect, this concept of Shoujo is innovative, not just an imposed, idealized construction, but a mode of girlish identity embraced and manipulated by girls and young women themselves. To sum up, Shoujo started as an ideological political construction in order to modernize the Japanese nation. However, the aesthetics of shoujo have been gradually copied by the original target audience to serve their own agendas. Shojo manga, created by Women for Young Women, has offered an ideal accessible medium to develop, reflect, and experiment with shoujo as a cultural imagining. Beneath a dreamy aesthetic, the frills and lays. Even mainstream shoujo can present a complex, nuanced, and sometimes shocking picture of girlish identity in Japanese popular culture that encompass both objectification and free will, desire and identification. Shoujo can be ambitious, cruel, and cultivate a high level of independent action. Shoujo ideas can also be expressed through fashion, with such fashion items as lace, ribbons revealing femininity and beauty, while concealing the body and overt eroticization. In shoujo, we can see a different expression of the same radical fashion ideas that raised Rei Kawakubo to international acclaim. And best of all, the National Library has an excellent representation of both theory and manga in the Japanese collection. I hope I've inspired some of you tonight, whether you are an academic or a Shoja fan, to take a closer look. Thank you. Well,
0: oh, Master Fumi, that was fantastic, I, I just loved it. Um, at, At home, I have a 10-year-old who's at primary school who loves his graphic novels, but I'm definitely not pointing him towards Midnight Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when he's a bit older. Look, um, at the start of your your talk, you said you apologised to the academics and to the pop culture fans, um, but I think you beautifully brought... Um, brought a, a narrative from our collections and, and from your experience, uh, which was which beautifully brought in both sides. So, thanks very much, and thanks for making it so entertaining. Look, we do have a few minutes for questions if you'd like. Um, put your hand up, and uh, you'll make oh, ladies, straight at the back, first first up. I'm not sure i into your
1: narrative, but Miss <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not 100% sure about her design, but the, she named her label after the character, so she, there's a high possibility that she is yeah,
0: incorporating. <laughs> And David said, right at the beginning, you said that the J- Japanese government actually started in 1906
1: or something to prolong use and stop people from
0: marrying early. Now, in view of the uh, Japanese demographics, have they reconsidered this? actually do need more children.
1: Thank you very much for very... Um, Interesting questions. Um, first, uh, first all your question with uh, hair, um, it's a kind of really kind of debate that is going on as well in manga studies. And um, since um, some people argue that like um, having a blonde hair is a huge inspiration in um, shoujo manga, particularly in earlier. Um, days, like in the 1970s, ma- many of the characters were actually not Japanese, but um, in, like, somewhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. So the stories, are, many of the stories are set in Europe or America, or like fantasized or romanticized Europe America rather than Japan. But also, um, since manga is written in um, black and white and with, like, thin lines, so in order to um, distinguish one character from another, uh, they used um, different colors of hair. So if a manga has two uh, main female characters, like Please Alice, one of the girls usually having black hair, and another one is having um, uncolored hair. So sometimes what appears to be a blonde hair doesn't mean actually a blonde hair. In um, manga, yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. Uh, great, yes. Um, mm. Here and there, maybe. You have-
1: Do you mean uh, why the ideology hasn't changed at all? This thing that's driven by women, girls, poor girls, this
0: perfect idea of girl hasn't changed for about 60 years. I find that
1: really interesting. Yeah, um, I think many people have different opinions, but I think it's partly because of its purely aesthetic reason. So um, having like frills and lace kind of dresses, um, many people find it really pretty and cute, and they relate to the idea of shoujo, but um, many people nowadays probably don't think um, these are too um, oppressive or passive. As, um, so the idea of shoujo itself has very different um, faces as well, like, um, for example, um, if I, it sounds a little bit stereotypical, but male critics tend to perceive shojo as their others, so it kind of includes, sometimes includes a bit of sexualization, whereas, like, female um, critics tend to see the shojo as, through their idiosyncratic experience, as saying, like, I was once a shojo so um it's, not the other, but like it's more personal view, but um, it's also like a construction. So it can be kind of in between these two, like, so um, I think, um, for example, like manga works, which are targeted at old ages, um, like Iwadate's manga that I introduced today, can't objectify the image of shoujo, but without um, giving like much um, identification. So like see, present this kind of shojo image as purely to be um observed and appreciated whereas like um Midnight Cinderella which has a really bizarre story but still um if you carefully read it um, it was targeted at much younger audiences so audiences are, or readers are supposed to be engaging or identifying with the heroine so yeah so quite different different ideas of George, I, I guess.
0: Thanks. Yes, gentleman, yeah. um, i there. I was interested in the early part of your presentation where after World War II, the images were very, very actually Western styles, everything, but the big eyes,
1: Again, like there are lots of debates going on when it started and who started it, but I definitely think your idea of um, Amer- North American animation being one of the influences is really true. Particularly um, if you think about Tezuka, uh, who um, produced Princess Knight, which is one of the first um, shoujo mangas. He was strongly influenced by Euro- um, Euro-American cartoons, and um, the question that it's going on in Japan, and I think there are many reasons, but one of the reasons is having a big eye is considered to be allowing, um, inviting readers to engage with the characters. So um, if a character has smaller eyes, readers tend to tend not to engage with the character, whereas like if it has a big eyes and if um, their eyes are featured quite largely in the manga pages, then readers tend to um, more often engage with the characters. So I think that's one of the reasons.